Welcome to the Mindfulness of Singing, and I'm Denise, your sassy, spunky scientist. And I'm Tony, your bubbly, big-hearted flower child. Our podcast features practical tips and tools for a journey of transformation using the healing power of your voice. Each podcast, we will delve into the mind, body, and spirit connection by interviewing inspirational guests, sharing personal stories, and discussing the most recent scientific research. Tune in and join our community of mindful singers. Hello, Miss Crowder. Good morning, Denise. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. I am great as well. So do you have a subject today that you want to talk about or should, 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 I don't know, you usually bring the subject, but I actually have one today. Too. Oh, well, so I let's have, talk about yours. Well, I have always, I always have plenty of subjects, you know. Yes. I am fired up and excited about our guest today because it's on spirituality and, you know, I'm digging that. And um, in my early morning walk in the cold, I actually spent some time with Jay and I'm going to steal two of his stories as a setup for our listeners. And the first one is that sometimes I think People think, well, I can't meditate. I don't know how to. There's so many different practices or, you know, I'd like to embrace mysticism, but do I go join an ashram or which spiritual do I study the Bhagavad Gita, go back to my Christian roots if they've left that path or Catholic mysticism? Anyway, there's so many things to choose from. Although you can be Christian or Catholic and still do meditation. Absolutely. And Jesus meditated. So, I mean, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. So. But anyway, all different forms. My, my point was just to say that there's mysticism, even in Christianity, too. And sometimes that's oh, not yeah. necessarily embraced. Anyway, so what Jay said is it would be kind of like a child saying, I want to play an instrument, but I don't know which instrument I want to play. So I'm going to wait till the exact instrument speaks to me. And when they're 90 years old, they still haven't played an instrument. And you just need to start, just pick one up and see the only way to find out whether or not it speaks to you is to step in and get wet and try it out. So I thought that was good advice for people that might be hesitant. And I hope, as you just said, I know a lot of our listeners may come from a Christian background, as we both do, uh, to let them at ease that this is not going to deter them from their path or anything like that. So uh, to embrace it. And one other story, and then I'll let you get to yours. In a different episode that I listened to of him, he said that meditation is like brushing and flossing your teeth for the mind. And, you know, the Buddha went under a tree and sat, and Jesus went away and sat, and every other major faith group has an element of meditation in it. So it's not as woo-woo as some might think and step in and go. So I made that pretty fast, didn't I, Denise? You did a good job. Uh Thank you. Yeah, I think um, we're going to talk a lot about those things when we talk to Jay. So I'm not going to expound. I'll just let that sit. Okay. Uh, So what I want to talk about is something kind of maybe some people might go, well, that's weird that Tony and I have both started doing recently. And that's and it's called ruck sacking. So uh, there's this kind of trend in fitness where if you're a walker, 
you know, you have to walk a lot of steps to burn some decent calories. And, um, and so rucksacking is where you take like a military style or, or just any kind of a pretty hefty backpack. And, um, by the way, it should, it should close at your chest and it should close around your waist so that you're evenly distributing the weight. And then you put a 10th of your body weight in that bag. So I couldn't find like 12.9, you know, <laughs> I just gave away my weight, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can, I couldn't find that. So the only thing, the closest I could get was like 16 pounds, which is a lot more than 10% of my body weight. But anyway, and you burn twice the calories. And so you can walk half the time if you want to just burn the same amount of calories, or you could walk the same, you could do the same 10,000 steps, but burn twice the calories. And, um, and then Tony and I also have added Nordic poles, but listen, maybe not do that at first, get used to the backpack. I think we're, we're crazy. So try the backpack first and then, and then pick up some Nordic poles and we can talk about the Nordic poles later, but cause they're, there's a technique and a skill to those. You don't, you don't just, well, unless you're really arrogant, like the two of us, you don't just go out and just go, I can do this. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it looks easy, but it isn't. So you got to watch some videos and stuff like that on, but that burns another additional 25% with not as much um, work as the, as the backpack. So if you want to start with the Nordic poles, I suggest that you look at YouTube videos and figure that out. And you can buy a pair for relatively inexpensive. I think Tony bought hers at Walmart for like 20 bucks. I bought mine for 20 bucks at Target. Um, cause I won't go in a Walmart, but anyway, um, you can, you can find, you can find them relatively inexpensive or you can buy them real. If you buy the Nordic brand, you know, you can, they're, they're pricey. But I'd say if you're just trying it out and you want to see if you like it, then buy a cheaper pair, but watch a lot of videos, figure out how to do it, practice it before you go lugging those poles around for, and then want to throw them in the river or whatever, or out in the woods. But, uh, and you can do it on a trail on a, on a smooth surface. But anyway, so rucksacking it, it's hard. You think, oh, this is no big deal. I carry this kind of, you know, books in my backpack all the time. But if you go at a pretty decent pace and you give yourself like we're, I'm in Virginia, Tony's in Arkansas. Tony, are, are you in a, I can't remember. Is, is that pretty hilly where you are or cause there are parts oh, right. of Arkansas that's really it's, hilly, it's, it but varies. We've, we've got it all in Arkansas. It varies. Right. But where you are, what, what is, are, are you flat? Right where my mother's house is and where yeah. I'm, I'm walking is fairly yeah. flat. Okay. All right. Well, where I am, there is no such thing as flat. So, uh, you know, I had some pretty big hills, like, and going up those hills was, was that was a, that was a challenge. And I was sore. I couldn't believe it. The day after I was sore, I expected to be sore, like in my legs or whatever, but I wasn't, I was sore in my hips. I was sore in my, um, in the inner, inner part of my, my thighs and in my calves, I hardly ever am sore in my calves. So I was really surprised at the places that I was sore in, uh, uh, because 
I, I haven't been sore in a long time from working out or whatever, but I was really pretty surprised that I had um, soreness in places I don't normally from working out get sore, like in my hips and in the inner part of my thigh. And so you're working some muscles you don't normally, normally work. And I was hot. I mean, it's cold here, but I was sweating. I was hot. I couldn't wait to shed some clothes. And um, all I was doing was walking. So if you don't like to run, I hate to run, but I'll do it. But I don't like it. Um, I fired a I fired a, a a trainer once for making me run because <laughs> I told him, you, yeah, it is. If you ever make me run and you're fired and he forgot and he said, go run, blah, blah, blah. And I went, yeah, uh, you're fired. I told you I will not run. I don't like to run. Um, I, I don't like it. But but if you don't like to run and you want to up your game a little bit and you're walking and you feel like oh, you've kind of plateaued in your fitness and you want to do something to kind of help you not plateau, then I highly suggest rucksacking. What are your, what's your experience? Two things I want to say. Um, I'm glad to hear you say that the polls were a little bit challenging because I was feeling rather stupid. Like, oh my gosh, this is more to it than it might appear, but I'm still just experience experientially learning, you know, just have you watched any videos for it? I have, I have. Yeah, I have. yeah. you didn't the first time and I didn't the first time and Tony was doing something really bizarre and I was doing something as bizarre also. And both of us had these preconceived notions of what it would be. And, and, and so, you know, yeah, don't, don't, don't go out there with them. Uh, any, and people who walk by that know Nordic tracking will be looking at you like, what the, who the, oh my Lord, what does she think she's doing? Um, so don't look like a fool out on the trail. Find yeah. out how to do it. Uh, now I say go look like a fool and get busy and try. So we different approach on that. No, no, do the video first. Watch some videos, learn about it, and then do and do it right because I think more often than not, people try something, they don't do it right, they get frustrated and then they never go back to it. So true, true. So just do it right the first time. Don't don't be arrogant like the two of us and think, oh, I can do this. How hard could this be? And I I tend to do that kind of thing all the time. It's it's a it's a flaw. I know it's a flaw, but hey. Well, thanks for validating me that I'm not completely stupid and you found it challenging too. Not challenging as in hard. Don't 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 misunderstand us. We both can walk forever. It, but well, the coordination of what you're supposed to do with it. Well, now that part I didn't find hard. That part. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 that part, the coordination of it, I didn't find hard. It was, and I, I, it was the fact that I, I thought I was supposed to be using it one way, and felt frustrated in that. I was so. I'll just say I had them out in front of me, like you know, and and I trying think. to get them to line up with the the um quickness of my step i mean it gives you a workout because you're working your arms but at the same time i could tell it was it was no way that could be right that it just wasn't it wasn't the way it should be and so when i came back sure enough I, they're not supposed to be in front they're supposed to be in back and so that made and then i was like oh yeah of course this is why it it, it couldn't i couldn't get it to be uh as quick as my step is because there's so much lag time where by the time you pick something up and put it down, your legs are already gone. So anyway, yeah. All right. One yes. Other thing, and as our guest here, we, we have a moment. You have a moment? 
our guest is not here yet. Okay. So, um, and as far as the rucksack, Mm -hmm. um, I'm a minimalist and I'm also really environmentally conscious. So I try to buy as few things as I can. And so I went first to a um, secondhand sports store and even secondhand, those are pretty pricey. I was surprised. Now I'm talking about not the rucksack, but the weighted vest where you actually have the pouches where you can adjust the weight. It was big and, and I'm trying to keep mental because I'm not going to be here forever. And so that didn't work. And I already had a backpack here and I already had weights. And so I'm just using books and you can make it more balanced. I know Denise, we talked about this, about injuring your back, because if you have just a 20 pound weight in the bottom of the backpack, you might not be so balanced. That doesn't bother me. I've tried books. I'm not getting the fatigue yet. So maybe I need to go find some hills around here and see if that can, because I've done both and neither one kind of, I must not be Maybe I don't have enough weight in it. But anyway, experiment. Go play. Part of our philosophy is play. Get out there and try and learn, too, about what you're going to play. So, yeah. Yeah, and I I think, you know, I don't have one of those. I don't have a, I, what I have is a, um, my backpack. I have a military style, you know, trek across the country kind of, and I found it. Where did I, where did I buy it? Oh, I think I bought it at Target also. And it, it was $40. Tony wants to give $5.99 for it, but I, 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 I have this. I don't need another one. I'm not going to take it with me. So you know, this, this works. Yeah. She, cause she treks all across Italy. And so and she, I don't want to trek. My trekking poles are very collapsible. I mean, I make sure that what I buy, I can carry with me because she because you know, she's car. she's the vagabond who lives off and on in italy and treks across there on foot mostly yep hey yeah. denise let's yeah. introduce our guest you want to talk about Jay yes again? i do so <clears throat> jay wyke is a buddhist monk and so is his wife which i find fascinating um and the first time I met them, they were both bald and uh, by choice. And uh, I was like, wow, these two are really cool. I like them. I was drawn to them immediately. Jay and I taught at the University of Toledo. He's in the jazz department. And of course, I was running the voice area, voice department. And um, <clears throat> we we liked each other right away. And um, he was, uh, he's just a real calming presence. He's always calm. He, he's never, I think I've seen him mad once and it was for a really good reason. But other than that, Jay is a very calming, um, presence about him. He is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Everybody says that about him. And, um, I asked him if he would help me learn meditation because, okay, so here's my meditation story. When I, when I was in graduate school, when you and I first met back in the day, <laughs> long, long time ago, boys and girls, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, in, in, in a, in a different millennia, uh, we, we met and I was trying out meditation, hesitant to do so because of my Judeo Christian background, my evangelical background, I was brainwashed to believe that meditation was something that would invite demons in because you totally empty your mind and then demons can enter. Stupid, really, really stupid. 
but brainwashed to believe that and brainwashed to believe a lot of things that were stupid. But anyway, that's another podcast. Uh, so I um, really thought, you know, was hesitant to do it, but I knew I was so stressed. I was in a crappy marriage and also just in so much stress and grad in, in, in that master's degree. Anyway, um, that's also another podcast, but anyway, so I, I tried meditation and I would just fall asleep. I'd be in the middle of, I'd wake up, you know, an hour later in my little Lotus position, dead asleep and be like, well, damn it. That didn't do me any good, but I was staying up till like two or three in the morning doing papers and things like that. And, and like I said, really stressed. So I must've needed the sleep more than I needed the meditation, but I ultimately gave up. I knew no one who meditated, no one. I just read, I just brought home a little book from Barnes and Nobles that was tiny and, you know, tried to do that, gave up. And then many, many years later, I meet Jay and I'm like, you know, I tried it once I fell asleep. Do you think you could teach me? And he's like, actually, yeah, every, and I forget what day it was, but maybe it was Tuesday. Every Tuesday I go up to a meditation room that's at the the um, uh, religion center on campus. And there's a room up there for people who want to meditate. And I go up there at noon on such and such day. And anybody who wants to meet me up there can do it. And so I'd go, I would go with him. And, uh, and I, I tried that for a while and I was like, okay, all right. It helps to have somebody, you know, sort of help you with it but I still couldn't really calm my stinking monkey brain down or whatever. So, so um, since then, he'll be glad to know that I've gone back to it and that I'm actually been meditating for about a year and a half now, maybe, maybe more, maybe it's been two, but I've been doing a lot of meditation and have sort of finally figured out my type, my kind that I need for my own, for the way that I operate. And Jay runs the um, Mindfulness Institute. It's something he started and runs it at, at uh, the University of Toledo. And, and we also are in an ensemble together called the Zen uh, Music Arts Ensemble. Zen Arts, maybe. Zen Arts Ensemble. Well, there's a CD out there of it. It's pretty cool. And um, what he does is um, you can find it on iTunes, all of that. And what he does is we don't rehearse. He's the leader. He hands out verse. He hands out words. And it's usually from some sort of uh, Buddhist sacred text, um, some meditations, something like that. And we, we, it's him. He's a guitarist. And he, by the way, his, his um, music background comes from Berkeley. So he's, he's the real deal. He's a really great guitarist. Um, uh, and there's a percussionist who plays all kinds of different percussion instruments, like some really, you know, stuff I've never seen or heard of before. He plays all of those. And then we had, um, I think on this CD, there is a, a woodwind player who plays a variety of kinds of unique flutes. And uh, I can't remember if he played it oboe on that or not, but anyway, he played a some very interesting flute read read instruments but they were flute type you know indian probably indian flute yep yep and then there's a bass player and um and then two singers 
And one of the singers is a jazz singer and the other one is me. And he just, he just, there's no practicing. He don't rehearse. He just goes. And before you know it, you're in this really cool groove. And the, we, the, the other singer, uh, Kim Bueller and I, we do not, we don't plan what, who's going to go or who's going to sing. One of us just begins and, and it is a very cool experience. And the CD itself is quite interesting. And if you are, you know, listening to this and you want to have a really cool ensemble come, we, we would love to come. And not only that, but, but we also, we've been to schools and done that. And we bring, he brings students up on the stage and invites them to perform with us and helps them get comfortable with improvisation and how to improvise. And so it's, it's a very awesome thing. Zen arts ensemble. So Denise, you said there's a CD. Do you like actually stop and start and change keys? I mean, it's one flow. It's one, it's one long flow. Now I think when he created the CD, there are tracks he made, he, he made it. Up. Yeah. But in the performance, no, there's no starting and stopping. Like it. wow. It's one long 40 minute improvisation. No one. And you'd be amazed. You would think it was, you would be, you would really and truly think that it had been composed. Wow. And That's so this beautiful. is part of what he does. And this is, this is the first time I did it scared half out of my mind. I'm like, wait, there's no rehearsal. What? We're just doing it. I'm just going out there. Oh my God. With a jazz singer. Come on. But she is my favorite jazz singer. So I was happy to be up there with her, but, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's intense, but it's very cool. So it sounds like I'll have to check it out. Okay. Jay White, I'm so happy to see you. Hey, honey, it's mutual. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Man, okay, so I think I haven't seen you now in almost two years. It's been too long. That's we were, ridiculous, but that we is how trying, it is, isn't it? Yeah. We were trying to see each other, right? We were talking about you got you coming here to... Yeah. And we then... a beautiful plan to bring the Zen Arts Ensemble down to where y'all are and do some music, and I hope to do that. Me too. And then the world blew up. So we're just <laughs> stuck in a non-Zen place, but trying to be Zen, trying to be Zen every day. <laughs> well, we can talk about that a little bit. How about? Yeah, absolutely. I, well, I was going to say, and it's one of the things about COVID and I, I don't mean to be mm, flippant. I know a lot of people have lost loved ones and it's really terrible and awful, but I, I am sort of grateful that it occurred it, it, just because it actually allowed me to have some time to practice more mindfulness and practice my own meditation, my own meditation practice, which, you know, back in Toledo, you were trying to help me with, and I was really frustrated with it at the time. Well, um, you know, a few of these gray beards here are yours. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's true. I bet oh, well, true. for a lot of reasons besides meditation, but, but I... I, I have finally found my groove, I want you to know, and I have finally found a practice that 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 works for me and my crazy monkey brain. Well, good on you, honey. That's fantastic. You know, yeah. one of the things is, is that for every 
situation, um, whatever the situation is, there's always a yin and a yang, right? And there's no place on the playing board that isn't some combination thereof, you know? And so whatever position we're in, there's um, advantages and uh, difficulties, you know? And one of the big skills is to be able to recognize the terrain you're in and wield it well. So playing to the strengths of the moment, not trying to play to the strengths of the moment yesterday, because now, hey, we're on a different space in the playing field, you know? So this pandemic has been a major shift, uh, obviously, in everybody's uh, game, but there are advantages. Like you say, there are horrible drawbacks. It's a, it's a wretched thing to be going through in so many countless ways. And there are, uh, there is some wind in the sails for some other stuff. Nicely right. said. Like the way you put that. Yeah. So, so let's 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 uh, think about if our listeners are are going. You know, I don't know about meditation. Um, I come from an evangelical Christian background where, you know, I'm taught that it has to be prayer or nothing because emptying the mind might make some evil spirit come around or whatever. I mean, that's yeah. what that was my my taught. I was taught that. That's what I was uh, grown up to believe, uh, brought up to believe. And so it took me a while to get over the hurdle of that. So, well, let's go there. Um, yeah. A couple let's of things. Go. Firstly, um, we're not really trying to empty the mind, ironically enough. You know, what we're doing is we're concentrating. So mindfulness uh, specifically is non-judgmental awareness in the present moment. So, um, you know, the, I've heard this, this view before that if you empty the mind, then uh, difficult entities can enter and, you know, muck about and it's a bad thing. And, um, you know, that's, I don't know whether that's actually true or not, I can't say, but what I do know is we're not trying to empty the mind. What we're simply doing is letting our awareness rest on our breath, kind of the same way when you let your awareness rest on scripture, if you're reading it, or on a movie, if you're checking it out, or in the conversation, if it's worth it. Um, you're, you're letting your awareness rest in the conversation. So there's no um, great beckoning for trouble in that. Um, but what we are doing, see, is instead of letting the environment steer what takes our attention, we're, we're deciding to cultivate the ability to put our awareness there ourselves. So, and it turns out that uh, uh, being able to put your mind where you want it for as long as you want it to be is a developable skill. And that developable skill is called mindfulness. And what most of us experience is we are very mindful when the circumstances make it interesting for us or scary for us, right? If it's really scary, you are mindful. You know, when that truck starts to skid off the meridian and head your way, you are very mindful. You know, you're suddenly right there. Uh, or when things are feeling really good in one way or the next, you tend to tune in, you know. But um, the ability to tune in regardless of the content of the moment well, now that's called mindfulness and that's something we practice. Yeah, that's great. That's very, very well put. Um, so what would you say to a musician who's not practiced? Where, where would you tell them to start? I think the same place I'd tell our evangelical friend who's got some stress. I mean, you know, whether you're a musician or a construction worker or an overwhelmed single mom, um, you know, the fact is we're all in a body and, uh, at least at the moment, that's how it seems to us. Right. And so, so what we want to do is use something that's ordinary, simple, 
every day, super accessible, always with us, see? Uh, and so that's the breath, right? That's the breath. So what we do is we, we put our attention and our awareness and we use the breath as an object of concentration. Now, in fairness, you can use anything, you know, like someone who's at prayer. Um, well, you know what? If the more of your awareness you can bring to the prayer, the more mindful you're praying, the better the prayer is in a certain point of view, you know. So what you do with the awareness, whether it's music making, uh, uh, you know, doing scripture studies or um, studying Nietzsche if you want to, whatever you do, you know, it's, it's your um, choice. But the breath turns out to be the single most important beginning step. Why? Because, well, if we're here, we're breathing. <laughs> and then also it turns out that when you learn to work with your breath and be aware of your breath, you have your hands on the knobs and dials of your nervous system and of your body in different ways. And so instead of things escalating, for example, like performance anxiety or a conversation suddenly and intensely gone sideways that you did not see coming, the outcome of which matters a lot to you, all of these things rush energy up into the system. And so if we can train our awareness on the breath and use the breath to keep us grounded and centered, well, then we're going to have a more likely opportunity to respond well to the crazy sideways conversation or to the truck veering off in our direction or whatever else it is, you know, getting up there and going ahead and singing your aria or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You are singing our song because we are both huge <laughs> fans of breathwork because it does combine to me both science and spirituality and that present moment. You, there's nothing more present than that immediate breath. I'm curious if you use breath work with your students. In oh, your intensely. Oh, sure. I mean, now I, I wear a number of hats. So when we say students, I just need to put a little weird qualifier there. I, I have several different spaces where and I'm known as a guide. Uh, you know, one of them is in the music department at the University of Toledo, noble and venerable institution. Uh, and then another one is I'm a martial art teacher. I, I practice an art called Aikido, and I've been doing martial arts since the 70s. And um, right, I forgot you're a black belt. I'm a six degree black belt. Whoa, yeah. look yeah. out. He's a bad dude. Oh, and I'm a, a, yeah. And you know, I'm probably the most, one of the most nonviolent folk you'll ever run into, but upon need. <laughs> And if no, anybody I, doesn't know what that is, if you've ever watched any Walking Dead, if you <laughs> remember the 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 very Zen African American guy who had the pole and yeah, it wouldn't carry a gun or anything like that, and he had a he had a stick, he was practicing Akita. That's right, and it's called. It's translated as the art of peace, and it's actually, to my knowledge, it's the it's the only nonviolent martial art. It actually is a martial art, but it, it has a moral and ethical basis of doing no harm. Figure that, right? Yeah. So, um, so yes, I use breath with my guitar students. I use breath with my history of jazz students. They're freaking out over the content. I use breath with my Aikido students and definitely uh, in my role as a Zen teacher. You know, I, breath is like our central practice. And the Toledo Mindfulness Institute, uh, that's another thing I do where I run mindfulness classes online and stuff these days. Breath is right in the beginning of all those things. See, that's why I'm so quick to, to notice that it's a commonality. Then whatever your discipline is, okay, you can apply it to that discipline. See, now I think singing folk have a huge advantage in this 
because y'all have paid a lot of attention to the breath and to the body and you just can't do what y'all do if you're not in your body. I mean, I would think, is that right? I'm no, no singer. No, you're, you're right. I mean, people try, but it's not wise. <laughs> it's not wise. <laughs> and, not and, the advice we would give them. And sometimes overtrained in the wrong way as far as a concept. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, L uh, over breath, over breathing is not great either. So, mm. you know, it's a, it's, it's a fine line of, of being very present about the breath. That's super interesting. And I, I, uh, I assume there are different disciplines within the, uh, you know, classical voice tradition. You know, I mean, there, there is, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it, you know, it's funny because we kind of, we, we all believe the same basic thing. And that is that you have to have adequate air mm -hmm. and you have to know how to, um, uh, expel the air in a way that's 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 um, efficient and you ration it and those things. But how you go about that, you, if you had 10 um, teachers in the room, you'd have 10 explanations probably. So wow. yeah, so it's, it's it, you know, there are all these different schools of, of teaching. There's the German school, there's the Italian school, there's even a French and an English and an American school. And yeah. so people come from the tradition of whatever their teacher taught them, and they don't like to let go of that notion. So um, and people are afraid they're, they're wrong and they don't, so they don't want to have that discussion much. But um, <clears throat> uh, the thing is, is that for, for me, for my students, I know, and because Jay, I think you can attest to this, we are seeing about three years ago, I would say in the higher ed teaching space, we mm -hmm. began to see students with more and more anxiety. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I'm yeah. sure that's lessened of late. <laughs> no, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And so uh, I, I started um, really thinking about how breathing for singing could cause more of that. And over singing, basically hyperventilation, hmm. causes you to feel far even more anxious and if you're already anxious then it's it's a huge you know catch 22 so that i've started doing breath work with my students in the studio first before we even sing to sort of calm down the nervous system help them be focused about their body and and have have been treating the breath for singing to be more like a breath work than it is for anything else and and I can only speak from my own experience. That seems mm -hmm. to really help my my students um, uh, kind of uh, help themselves with through the anxiety. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that we use as a technology, really, I'd be curious. I don't know if this would relate to your gig or, or not, but um, it, there's a thing called the one point. Right, uh, and this is this is very interesting. Now, this is this is coming from the martial art uh, kind of perspective, um, and also from the traditional Zen training perspective. And all of this would be like a Pan Asian intelligence, I guess you could say. You'd find uh, the little thing I'm about to describe; it would be recognizable in most all Asian countries, um, and including uh, Tibet and in India. You know, it's kind of a like this. Anyway, the point is that if you um, unguided most folks have their awareness firmly placed behind their eyeballs and we're kind of up here steering around 
you know, and we're like way up in the in the eyes, and then the body is just kind of hanging down there. And if it hurts or feels particularly good, we notice it. But generally, we're way up here in our thinking, and then hands and stuff like that. And um, it turns out that one of the most important concepts common to all my various endeavors is called uh, being centered, right? And this centered is not just like an affirmation, like I'm centered and I love it or something. It's, it's actually a physical way of orienting the breath and the body. Uh, so it's demonstrably provable if a person is centered or not. It's not theoretical. Uh, it's an empirically verifiable state of being centered. And you can see this in somebody. Like if I, if I have somebody standing or sitting there, you can do this sitting, and just have them kind of think up in their head and be aware of their nose, and you give them a little push on the side, they, they topple far more readily than if you have them take their awareness and put it down a little bit below their belly button. You know, like maybe about three fingers width below your belly button and in just a touch. Anatomically, there's nothing there but viscera and whatnot. But if you concentrate on that point and just let your awareness settle there for a little while, so you breathe down to that point, it's like there's a balloon way in the base here and you let the breath kind of root. You take the same person and give them a little nudge on the side here and they're far more like rooted about it, kind of like a tree with deeper roots all of a sudden. And so you have this thing uh, called key or energy, right? And so if you put your mind in that one point and hold it there, then the energy starts to coalesce there or center there or root there and then the body responds you see and so this this point of centeredness is central to how i work with folks dealing with a stress response because the stress response is exactly the opposite you start freaking out and all your energy comes up your front side and way up here and we start to pant and hyperventilate things like this so the teaching is to breathe low and deep and be rooted now does that is that that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. I think that's, and that's, that's kind of, I mean, we talk about taking a low breath and that sort of thing. And, and I, and I hear teachers say, you know, you want to be centered and they, but they're looking for balance, weight, e equal weight of feet. I think that's a, a great way to, to experiment with being centered. When you say key, Jay, is mm -hmm. that the same thing as I hear people who say chi, C-H-I? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The way it is is in in Japan, uh, it's pronounced ki, k i. Oh, okay. mm -hmm. In China, it's pronounced chi or qi, c h i or q i. Mm -hmm. In Tibet, it's pronounced lung, l u n g. It's a different root etymology uh, than the other words. Um, there are terms in German, and, and uh, you know, it's not just an Indic uh, uh, thing, but um, yeah, it means it means energy basically, and it means awareness, life force, you know. And it's um, the funny thing about this is it's not a metaphysical assertion; it's simply an experience, you know. Does chi exist? I mean, I don't know. I don't even care. What I know is it works. That's what I know. If I if I take somebody and concentrate this way, their physical body responds differently than mm -hmm. if they don't. See, that's how that is. So, um, you know, whether or not the rubric of explanation is literally a fact is kind of irrelevant to me. I'm, I'm utilitarian about it. Is this helpful? Then let's go there. If it's not helpful, let's not. Uh, because after all, son, you got a jury to do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Yes, right. I, mm -hmm. 
for sure. So tell us about um, the the hmm, Buddhist temple. Is that what you call it, Jay? What do you call yeah. it? Okay. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, as far as it goes, I'm a, I'm a Zen um, teacher and priest, and there there's a Buddhist temple here in Toledo that my wife and I are kind of at the center of. You know, it's um, one of the one of the uh, main uh, sort of connectors in our wonderful marriage, for which I'm eternally grateful. You know, we've been together since the Bronze Age, and she's just a wonderful, dynamic, wonderful lady, and. Um, I'm lucky to have her in my life. I feel incredibly blessed about that. And one of the things we had together, besides being best parents we can be and love each other intensely, is we've had this kind of mission to, um, you know, help um, people uh, with with Zen practice. You know, it's it's become it was really important to me. I was lucky enough to stumble onto this thing when I was in a teenager, and um, you know, it saved my life more than a few times, and her as well. And so. It turns out that we've got a pretty thriving community here in Toledo, and it's a lot of folks that um, resonate with the kind of conversation we're having, but even a little more, you know? I mean, the, the, the truth is, as I understand it, that mindfulness is like one very clear aspect that predated the Buddha. He didn't invent this stuff, um, and it's certainly not the only thing going in the Buddhist tradition, you know, for those thinking about that stuff, Buddhism is a huge big deal. There's all kinds of stuff involved in Buddhism. Mindfulness is like a piece of it. And it'd be rather like, you know, going to the bagel shop and getting a nice kosher bagel. You know, you didn't suddenly convert to Judaism. You're just enjoying a bagel. It's okay. It's fine, you know. Um, or if you go and, and uh, check out the Olympics, you, you aren't suddenly tethered to the Greek pantheon of old, you know, it's just, it's, so now you can do that if you want to, you can become Jewish and that's a thing. If you want to, you can connect with the Greek pantheon. It might be fun. I don't know. But in the same way, um, you know, mindfulness, this technique of simply paying attention to the moment, it's a chunk it's a foundational chunk of what the Buddha taught. He didn't invent it. It's not all there is. There's way more than that. Um, but it is like, it's kind of a central thing because what, see where Buddhism hangs its hat, so to speak, is on the alleviation of suffering. It doesn't claim any kind of revealed truth. It just says, I don't know, because uh, honestly it doesn't. It doesn't need to. Uh, it, what it focuses on is alleviation of suffering. And so like, like a psychologist might note today, you know, look, if you're, if you're all crazy in the head, you're in a lot of hurt. So let's get centered. Let's get calm. Let's be in the moment. And then it can move on from there. See, so, so there are a lot of folks that connect to the Buddhist temple that have no self-identification as being Buddhist per se. Um, but then there are a lot of folks that do. And so there are some differences there. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. So let's talk about Zen arts. Man, do oh, yeah. I, I miss that. Uh, uh, and I can't, I, the very first time I ever sang with you is at the Toledo Art uh, mm -hmm. Museum. And I was scared half out of my mind because I'm so used to rehearsal, rehearsal, rehearsal. That's my, that's my uh, training and paradigm is that you rehearse until you could, you know, you you dream the thing because it's so ingrained in you and then you perform it and only then so it was way out of my comfort zone and but then by the second and third times that we uh, did something I, I I was all in and it was great I I want to play a little of it 
I'm going to play like I have it up and ready to go. So I want to play a little of it. And, and I would love to, for you to just tell us when we listen to, we're not going to listen to it long, but just a little bit, like how you came up with the idea and what, and, and kind of tell us about it a little bit. Sure. Let's see. This is the, um, Oh, seer. Pretty cool, isn't it? Woo! Yeah, that takes me places. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, what what were you thinking? <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't. You know, I mean, I mean, the the, the thing is that, um, well, I mean, my primary musical discipline is jazz music. All right, and but my heart really is not even in playing jazz standards. I really, you know, if I if I could just only play the music I wanted, that's all I do because gosh, there are people that can play standards way better than I'll ever be able to. And they did great, you know, and, and I love, I enjoy that music and it's part of the vocabulary of the tradition and all that. But really for me, getting together with musical peers and colleagues and, and betters and um, communing and creating this sound sculpture live in real time is really the juice for me. And I, I love that feeling of not knowing and I, I don't really want to wrap it up in, into knowing, you know, I, I actually enjoy and revel in not knowing and creating from the place of not knowing. But in order to do that, you have to have a hell of a lot of skill. You know, you, you can't just willy nilly uh, goof around there. I mean, every one of us in that group has got a deep intimacy with various traditions of musical intelligence you know, and, and, and ears bigger than Mickey Mouse. I mean, that's what it takes mm -hmm. to be able to hear and respond immediately um, and musically, you know, and that's just fun. That's just fun. I mean, I just enjoy the experience of it. It's, well, it's rather like our conversation. You know, we have some sense. There's a general theme, but we're not planning out every sentence. Thank God, you know. If, imagine if we had to memorize this podcast to this point and reproduce it. I mean, that's a nightmare to me. I just, you yeah, know, we wouldn't be doing it. That's for damn <laughs> no, sure. No, no. Nope. You know, you know, but, but to get together and have a conversation now that's yeah. juicy, you know, I mean, so, so, but we all speak English. That's the thing. <laughs> that's that. There is a, yeah. So there's a, there's a vocabulary there, you know, so I do, I do bring to those concerts. I have a, I I'll have some, some, sketches of some musical ideas that I may or may not use, but y'all won't have heard them before. Yeah, right. Because the point is, if I even decide to use them, is how 
the group um, reacts to them in real time. And then it takes on its own life, and I just delight in that. Talk about being in the present moment. I mean, there's no capacity to be wondering, what am I going to have for lunch or in order to listen? I mean, I think when we've done all that rehearsing, we can tune out, oh, yeah, that's the oboe part. I'm coming in a bit. I'll get, you know, but if you're going to react to it and you don't know what's coming next, you really, what a beautiful way for you to combine all of your interests. For sure. Yeah, I would say, too, that, you know, at the, at the highest level, folk who, who make the more, you know, the leader and the, and the art song and, and the things that are more spelled out, I, I really do firmly feel I've been in the presence of people who make that kind of music at that kind of level where it is that it is as though it was emergent from the universe right in that moment. Yes. So, I, I you know, like Yo-Yo Ma, for my money, when this man plays, it's oh, it's yeah. like... It's as though no one's ever heard the Bach cello preludes before, you know, it's just like, whoa, you know, um, um, yeah, but it, what it takes is a a lot of connection and an immense amount of empathy. You have to really be able to feel what the music is doing and, and basically disappear into it without ego. If you, uh, if you're concerned about making a statement or being the star or anything like this, then the, then the, the sound sculpture gets kinked and it, it doesn't work. There, there's a whole lot of folks that I can't play that mu- kind of music with <laughs> too much ego, too much. Uh, and, and frankly, that's a downside of a lot of jazz musicians, to be honest. I mean, there's, you know, really great ones transcend that obviously, but you're sort of mid tier, uh, jazz not just in jazz, Jay, not just in jazz. Yeah, well, there we are, the human condition, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. Well, it, this has been great. We 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 have to let you go, but I I um would encourage people to go out and maybe listen to the CD, get the CD. It's on iTunes and where else is it? Is it on Spotify or I think so. I think so. You know, if if folks want to connect with me and my work, I would I would hold up two resources: the Toledo Mindfulness Institute, um, ToledoMindfulnessInstitute.com. That's my sort of uh, available to the world secular mindfulness teaching. You know, and and one of the things I didn't see coming with the pandemic was that I would learn how to do that entirely virtually. So the sort of flagship thing is a six-week introduction to mindfulness that starts from zero and ends up with folks being pretty grounded and, and knowing how to actually engage this stuff in a meaningful way. So they happen on a rotating basis. And is that something through the through the University of Toledo? I mean, do they have to enroll in classes to do that? or? Nope. No, that was a limiting factor, I found. You know, I, I've got a venue to work with the students, undergrad and grad. I've got a venue to work with faculty, staff, and administrators on campus. But I had, and, and I've got a venue for those interested in the Buddhist approach. Nothing for your average folk who just wants a secular mindfulness class that's informed mm-hmm. by the tradition. So I created the Toledo Mindfulness Institute. And um I run these classes. They're open to anybody. Uh, I, like what will happen is I'll get a chunk of um, school teachers, like a school system will like uh, say, hey, I can pay for 10 uh, folks to do this. And educators who want can learn some of this stuff or different corporations uh, or individuals. So that's a that's kind of a new feature, you know. That's and great. The other thing I'd point to is the Buddhist Temple of Toledo podcast for those who are interested in what that whole thing is about. 
There's just way too much of me talking there. So. Yeah, well, it's good though. I've listened to it off and on throughout throughout the last year or so. I, I'll I'll catch some of it. It's very good. I was amazed. Yeah, there's a lot on there. So. Yeah, you get yeah. something like eight thousand downloads a month at the moment. I mean, it's it's wow. a pretty um, that's it's fabulous. Pretty, yeah, it's a pretty within that incredibly small and largely irrelevant niche. It's pretty well known. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, if we just could only have 8,000 yeah. downloads. What's the secret there? Do you have the Come mindfulness on, secret yeah. for us that we can? Yeah, I do. I do. It's it's longevity and patience. Uh, you know, I started that in 2007. And it's been accruing steadily and consistently uh, and evolving. And, um, and just patience and consistency over a long haul. Uh, that does a lot of good. People people overestimate what they can do in a in a month or a season, and they completely underfigure what they can accomplish in a decade. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's true about yeah. everything, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Life, Absolutely. fitness, health, mental. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, Jay, now there is a second recording. Is that going to be a, a a CD anytime soon? You know, it's funny you mention that uh, because it's been in the vault, and I. I have had the thought that it would be interesting to release that somewhere around this, you know, 2021. I mean, it's just kind of like been sitting there waiting. It's it's all but, all but mastered as far as I know. So I, I do kind of have the thought to release the second concert. And, uh, you know, if the stars align and the vaccine works and we can get down there and play, uh, boy, I'd love to do, uh, you know, concert three and add that to the queue. That would be great. That'd be great. You'll let me know when that number two comes out, right? Oh, yeah. I okay. think that's a gentle Denise nudge. And I, I would agree that this would be a good time because people do have time to listen and they are tuned mm -hmm. in to wanting inspirational things to listen to. So, yeah. well, you know, not to give away the thunder, but we were playing that concert. And towards the very end, we were in the very throes of what's something like a cadenza. Boom. An alarm went off in the building. Mm -hmm. You remember that? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And this, the big, you know, and what was so cool is that the whole band integrated that into the finale of the tune wow, of the composition. Cool. It worked beautifully. It was, it's amazing. It's, it's just like, you couldn't plan this, you know, I think <laughs> John Cage cool. like smiled a little bit from wherever he was. <laughs> that sounds like yeah. That. Oh, that's right. I forgot you studied with John Cage. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so really awesome thank you jay i miss you hope miss to see you, you soon beautiful nice to thank connect you. Denise. tony thanks it's a thank pleasure you. to be able to see you and say hello again thank you too and thanks for the inspiration and i know our listeners are going to enjoy it thank you thank you so much for listening we are very grateful that you joined us today if you like this podcast please subscribe write a review share it with a friend